And so I had that resilience in me to think I have to go forward, tackle this, hopefully find someone. I felt mm. lonely at times. I start to sing full. Hello, I'm Sam. And I'm Amelia. Welcome back to Ask the Joy podcast, a podcast where we aim to build better mindset for better relationships. Yeah, and speaking of mindset today, we're going to be talking about this topic around resilience. Yes, resilience. It's such a powerful thing to have, powerful skill. And we brought on a really special guest, a special guest of mine. <laughs> special guest? Special, special, a very special guest of mine. My mom, Ava Wong. Welcome. <laughs> Hello, mum. <laughs> so we chose to bring her on because for me personally, I know that she've gone, she's gone through a lot of challenges and just always manages to be able to bounce back for, from any situation that has occurred to her and still such a happy and bright person. So we're going to pick her brain just to see how she works through what her mindset is like when she goes through these challenges and get her to share some of those experiences. And we'll share some of ours too and yes. discuss how we see resilience. So it's also going to be weird because I talked to my mom in Cantonese <laughs> and we're doing this in English. So it's going to be a bit weird, but there's a first for everything. You'd be right. So did you want to introduce yourself or did you want to go right into the topic? Well, as my daughter said, um, I'm Amelia's mom. Thank you for inviting me into this podcast. So um, it is an interesting topic, resilience, certainly a topic which um, has been uh, throughout my life, trying to um, go through resilience um, has been a challenge, not just for myself, but I know that resilience is a topic where Every individual has some level of resilience in them. Yeah. Before we get into talking about our challenges and things that taught us resilience, what does resilient mean for you guys? What it means to me, I'll take the driver's seat. So putting on my uh, seatbelt and buckling in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Strap on, guys. <laughs> yeah. So resilience to me is the ability to recalibrate. Um, from those moments where you are put down. So being able to recalibrate in the fact of understanding what your position is and moving forward from that. To me, that's what it is. Yeah, I have something quite similar. So I would think resilience is no matter what difficult situation or challenge happens in your life is to be able to see the light at the end of the tub at the end of the tunnel on the tub yeah nice. <laughs> well if you're enclosed you got nowhere to get out you still got to see the light right yes so just seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and knowing that there's always a way and there's always a way to get out to always a way to move forward that's what resilience is to me very nice and mum mum well i agree with both of you it's obviously getting bouncing back, having the ability to bounce back in a difficult situation that you arises from. So it's having that ability to tackle those difficult situations and uh, unfortunate situations as well and soldier on. 
Yeah. Yeah. Soldier on. Nice. Soldier on. I'll just share the definition that's online. The true definition. The true definition. Well, yes. So we've all got some good definitions of it, and it's quite similar to what the actual definition is. So it is the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or even significant sources of stress. So just being adaptable, I guess, to the situation. Which is true, right? When When you're in those situations, it's really that it's adapting to that moment in time. Yeah, and what do you have to do at that point in time? (laughs) (laughs) So moving on to the big question, though, what are the biggest moments or some of the biggest moments that we want to share that has taught us resilience in our life? Am I taking the driver's seat again? All right, Roger that. You're in the driver's seat. We're not changing. Um, The most, I mean, outside of my redundancy, that was pretty hectic. So that was you know, I spoke about this in a previous podcast episode, just in terms of what happened, what I did. So just being able to bounce back, understand what your purpose is uh, and setting the right intent to get into the next point of, in terms of your chapter and your journey. Um, that's probably one of the biggest ones that I've had to deal with. A second one that I thought about just then is actually having to announce to my dad that he had cancer mm. and I was in year 11 at the time. And I remember I had to take the call because I was the only person that could understand English properly and I had to decipher what the doctor had to say to my dad. And during that time, it was always like, yeah, you see your friends and other family members who had to go through that same situation. You never think that you would too, but that moment happened to me. So you had to like process the, the what's happening and also understand the situation and process what you're feeling and trying to and trying tell to your dad as tell well. my dad yeah this is what they're saying mm. and it's harder for me because seeing my dad's expression in terms of his i guess emotions it was quite difficult at the time and me being a young teenager i had i knew shit nothing so it was very hard for me to process at the time yeah yeah and that taught you like one of the biggest lessons of resilience just being strong yeah being strong being able to adapt to that moment uh, and and really just moving forward, especially from uh, a supporting point of view mm. for my dad, that is, and the family. So, what about you, Mum? I think the biggest moment that comes to mind is my mum mm. um, when she had mental health issues, and that was during the time when I was just in high school and prior to that. So it was a challenging time where I had to, you know, reestablish in my mind what I needed to do to go through that particular situation with my mum's illness and also trying to help her at the same time. Yeah. So I think that was the biggest moment. The other one is then my dad also at the time was diagnosed with cancer so that was another big moment for me, um, having to go through that and see through the challenges. For someone I obviously had been with, as him being my dad, who has never had any health issues in his life, having to see him go through the challenges because of not having any health issues before and what he had to go through was a challenge for us as a whole family and myself, what we had to re 
curate and think what and how I was to become a stronger person for him to go through his health challenges. And also be strong for yourself, right? That's right, yeah. Mm, yeah, those are definitely, you know, when, when it's family, closest people to you is definitely the, the biggest lessons in yeah. terms of teaching you resilience. And you just have to be strong for other people, especially when you know that they need it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And it's harder when you're trying to balance the two, right? Mm. You're trying to be strong, support, while trying to show empathy. You know what I mean? That's, that's a difficult situation. But that teaches you. That's an experience, right? Mm. Mm. So when... My grandma, I guess, when your mum was going through the mental health situation, did you know what type of mental health or did you just see it within the actions that she was doing or was she properly diagnosed? We knew because at the time she had been to a doctor. Um, So we knew she had those mental health issues. And it was difficult because we were trying to help her and myself being at a young age at the time, was trying to understand the whole situation because it involved the whole family. And being in a situation like that, even the psychiatrist even asked us as kids if we needed to talk through the situation. And I think mental health is obviously a large, you know, a large component of where we have to talk. And I think communication and talking is quite crucial for the person who is obviously going through that illness and the family who are trying to support that family member. Yeah, talking is so important. I think that's also why people recommend like journaling or something because it's better than bottling it up, right? Like having it all inside and not sharing it anywhere that's why like even if you don't want to talk to anyone journaling just talking writing out your thoughts and the problems that you're going through is better than keeping it on side yeah that's true and if you do have that support mechanism it's handy to actually it's good to lean on yeah it's good to lean on other people and just talk it talk it out because yeah like exactly that it's just it's going to be stuck in your mind and it's just going to keep replaying and then you're just not really going to move forward in any way Mm. mentally that is So it's really important to really talk about it. Yeah. So from these moments that we just shared, though, what was a particular type of resilience that you guys learned? Like, was it just to be strong for yourself or was it to be to keep pushing forward or what was it that you learned from these lessons? Well, for me, I think it is pushing forward, taking that negativity out of your mind, having that mindset so that you don't feel that it's always you that's the problem. Making sure that I actually do agree with you with journaling, I actually did a lot of that. Mm. Particularly someone who didn't have a large cohort of family and friends at the time, journaling was my go-to. I wrote everything down. That was for me to then write it down focus on rethinking what what I needed to bring out out of my mind to see what I needed to retrain my thoughts with the situation that I was in. So what were just thoughts and what is actually the problem? Correct, yeah. So trying to write it down, you can see, oh, okay, and you read it back, you know, even if it's 
a few days later, you read it back. And some thoughts are just like, what the hell was I thinking? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah. And I actually still have that journal today. That's good nice. though. You can Which read goes back, back so many years, obviously with not just one situation, but I've been through a lot of circumstances. So I've actually still got that journal and I read back on it today now and I look at it and go, oh, what was I thinking at that stage? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it makes you realise sometimes it's just immaturity sometimes because you're just thinking all these things and you're like, shit, or why? Or just rational. Yeah, or just rational and you're just like, wow, why? irrational. Is it irrational? Like when you're just thinking at at the moment. Irrational. irrational? Yeah, irrational. Yeah, yes. irrational, yeah. ESL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it when you actually do read back, it's just like, wow, like what was I thinking or what was really going through my mind and you and you can clearly see you know the the bad thoughts and the good thoughts that you needed to fix because i i remember i used to i used to blog i used to i used to do self-reflection on on blogging so back i think 10 years ago used to be a really big thing where blogging in the 90s blogging but it was like a it's like a forum online it's like a forum kind of blog thing and i used to create just different events in my life at the time whether it was something really small buying car parts or something like that to big moments. It was a good way for me to reflect on, you know, the good moments as well as the, the bad moments. And it's good to have that there as a journal because then you can reflect back exactly what you're saying, Mum, uh, in the fact that you can just see the differences in how your mind is really thinking. Well, I think it's also good to say like today you read back on those and you can actually see how far you've come and you can also appreciate where you are now. 100%. And be like, be really grateful for where you are and how far you've brought yourself. Because if you don't reflect and you don't think about these things, you may still be in that mode where you're like, oh, I don't have what I want. I'm not where I'm at. But then when you think of these things and where you've come from, you're like, no, I'm actually grateful for where I am today. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Because I do the same thing. So like chat logs. I don't know if you remember oh, yeah, like MSN Messenger. MSN. I don't know, Mama. Oh, I would no, have MSN. Uh, uh, Mama, I don't know if you remember not that, sure but that. yeah, they they have these chat uh, yeah. apps where they save like your chat logs. Yeah, I have the MSN ones. Yeah, and I used to look back into how I used to type to people. Oh, the and the reflect. Big letters, slow, small letters, and then E is a yeah, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I I I used to go back into my chat logs because the reason why I used to do that is because I knew at the time when I was doing the reflection. My English wasn't that great in terms of structuring, punctuation, blah, blah, blah. So I used to look back and look at how I used to type to people, how I used to talk to people. And you, when you reflect back, you go, wow, like your maturity in terms of how you type, mm. how you start the conversation, how I you end the conversation. I cringe at how mine used to look. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I learned a lot because I used to self-reflect through those means. Yeah. And it taught me so much about who I was back then. Mm. And then exactly what you're saying, Emilio, is like the the whole thing about, you know, you, you realize the difference between. It's just appreciating them. how yeah, far yeah, yeah. you've come. Yeah. But another thing on the resilience, I remember you telling us another form of resilience or moment was when you had to move back and forth from Australia and Hong Kong. So what what happened in that situation and what did it teach you in terms of resilience? I think um, what it taught me with that coming back to Australia from Hong Kong is having to learn to be more independent because my parents were not here on an ongoing basis. They were particularly my mum at the time was going back and forth. I think you needed to learn to be a strong person because you were the only person 
well, at the time my sister was still in Hong Kong, so I was only the only one here. So you had to adapt to the situation and the environment that you were in because at the time when I came back to Australia, I was living with my auntie who owned a restaurant business, so they were never at home. You can relate your dad at yeah. a restaurant, right? Well, yeah, but that was before my time. That was my sister's time. Oh, yeah. okay, never mind. I retract that. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, so um, you had to adapt to the situation and actually build on your own resilience yeah. on certain circumstances. I feel like that's so relatable to most Asians back in the 90s or even before then because most parents would be working late nights or working more than one job and back then a lot of us would just stay at home by ourselves if like today when they're like our kids that are under 12 years old shouldn't be at home by themselves and all of us are just laughing because we're four years old and we're just at home by ourselves just yeah living life <laughs> yeah i was making my own food when i was yeah, five we were making so. our own food cup noodles whatever it is like fend for yourself pretty much until yeah. they come home yeah i think that's the difference between the asian culture in terms of the immigrants like for my family like it was more so parents had to work you just gotta stay home because you just that's the only choice that you had you know so yeah. you had to like really learn how to look after yourself. Yeah, and then it's, it's just surprising to know that like now that I think back as well is even though we were to stay home by ourselves, we weren't doing anything where you're like tearing the house down or like setting things on fire. Like we actually knew that we had to be good and just just live at home and just do your own thing kind of thing. We weren't doing anything that's like reckless. Yeah, exactly that. So just being mature, I guess, more mature than you probably would be at a typical four years yeah. old. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I agree. For a lot of maybe Asian families, kids had to grow up a lot faster and be mm. more, you know, act more mature because well, a lot of families didn't have uh, childcare or, you know, put after school care and before mm. school care. Mm, we were yeah. just left at home, you yeah. know, if they were to work, you know, long hours. It's because childcare costs money. Yeah. Gotta save, save money. Save every penny. Save money. Mm. Yeah. So another question I wanted to ask all of us is, was this resilience something that we had to build over time or do you think that it's something that you guys always had? I think it's a bit of both. I think, as I had mentioned, resilience, there's a level of resilience in everyone. And I think we're built in at a very young age that there is some level of resilience in us. It's just how much of it can we adapt resilience to. Everyone has a different level of resilience. Some take on resilience a lot easier than some others. They bounce back a lot better, which I think life experiences builds upon some people in learning that a lot better because they have more ex life experiences because obviously life has a balance of, you know, the darkness which gives us light and then you have sadness but then you enjoy, you know, the joyfulness of life. I actually heard this one quote. I forgot the exact quote but it's like without darkness you can't see the light. So that's why you need these challenges. So it's mm. like the – analogy saying like you need challenges to be able to appreciate the good things which is what we we're talking about during the journaling and what they were saying like without dark you can't see the light because if it's mm. light all the time you can't see where the light is right but it makes sense though right it's just like you've got to really experience the, the negative to know what the positive is 
And that's the same thing with, you know, happiness and darkness and, yeah, you know and what I mean? like batteries as well. Without the positive, you can't. Have the negative. Yeah, like yeah. without the both, you can't charge anything. It's the, the balance of chi, man. Yeah. You know, have the <laughs> negative and the, you know. Yeah, the yin and the, the yang. yang. Yeah, yeah, that's it. They're all the Chinese idioms all coming out right yeah. now. Damn. No, but it's the same. If you put it in an analogy, it's kind of like gymming and it's like training a muscle. Resilience is something that you can train too. Like when you first go in, your muscles aren't as strong, but the more you build on it, the more that you push through the heavy lifting, you become stronger. So I think mm. that's kind of what your mind is like to build yourself to have better resilience. It's the consistency. Well, not consistency, but it's just the but, more you go through it, correct. the better. But the consistency get. in terms of experience to learn to build yourself on like it's like trying to build like was it improve your individual self is working on yourself to build you a stronger foundation and like at first when you go to the gym you might you know pick up two kilo dumbbells and you're like i can't do this over time you're like yeah i can do this or i can even move up now i can do more so it's like that with resilience that's how i see it like you can just keep going through it and the more you do it the more you go through these challenges the more you tell yourself you'll, you'll be fine yeah that relates to me because I uh, just recently um, injured myself. But exactly that, could only do two kilos. <laughs> it was not two kilos. Probably like 20 kilos. Uh, cool story, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. But uh, do you think, Sam, that you built resilience over challenges or do you think it's something that? Yeah, so I think it's a – I feel like it's a combination. I think it's a combination, combination fried, fried rice. rice. <laughs> Uh, I think it's a combination of challenges that you go through throughout your life. That's part of your journey. That's how you learn. You make mistakes, blah, blah, blah. But I think from an Asian culture, I feel like the upbringing definitely had some indirect like motivation or teaching of that skill through your parents, through the things that you were forced to do or whatever it was. Somehow, I personally feel like the Asian upbringing definitely had influence to resilience as mm. a skill yeah when we were talking after mike i was gonna say i disagree i don't think that there was upbringing that taught me that but after we discuss i think yeah it's true the reason why i was gonna say no is because what we're saying we're always at home by ourselves we're all very independent so it's like who were we leaning on to teach us this thing but that is the upbringing that's the upbringing that we had that taught us how to do things for ourselves how to fend for ourselves and if things happen how to think for ourselves yeah, correct. So I agree, like upbringing as See, well. now you agree, hey? Yeah, sorry, mate. <laughs> do you agree? Yeah, I do agree. Yeah. yeah. Actually, you had an interesting story, the one where you got lost on the train or oh, something yeah. when you were young, when oh, you were first moved to Australia. Yeah, that's, that's as a child. Um, when I was in Sydney at the time, my parents were on uh, the Sydney train and they had already got off. I can't exactly remember whether it was because it was busy or crowded and I just got lost in the fact that I should have got off at that particular stop. So as a, a young child. How some, old do you think you were? I was probably about four and a half. So I, I had to think through the process. What am I going to do? Considering the fact I didn't really know English as, as well at that age. So I hopped off the train and somehow managed to work out that I needed to go across the other side and take the train back to the stop that my parents got off. Very That's nice. pretty good. Very yeah. Nice. yeah, and I met them back. Did they realise you were gone? Oh, 
they, <laughs> I think they were just in total panic, uh, panic uh, mode. But just never thought that I would have thought of that. Yeah, mm. that's because, really good. That yeah, four not and a half. being able to really speak English, and I don't know whether I could read any of the words. But back then, we're talking late. 60s or maybe early 70s. Wow. I don't know what level of platform signage there was at the time. Were there trains in Hong Kong at the time that had something similar where you just cross the other side and catch it back? Was that something that you kind of recognised? I I don't think we – because even back then there wasn't even MTR. Mm. Oh, wow. So The ding ding. Yeah, no ding ding either. Ding ding as in (laughs) the tram, tram. these little tram things that you see in Melbourne, but Hong Kong version. Oh, no, sorry, there was trams. Mm, That's interesting. Interesting how you found yourself back. Yeah, so, you know, that was something as a child you learned to strategize. (laughs) That's pretty – that's impressive, especially at four and a half. I know most kids will probably just start crying. Yeah. Like, where Remember the kid that we saw yesterday and were laughing because she was just standing in the fruit shop crying. (laughs) Which one? The little... The girl that was just standing in the middle of the fruit oh, shop yeah. crying. Yeah, like it, that. It was like fake tear, the fake tear ones where no tears are coming yeah, out, yeah, but yeah. they're just like... <laughs> yeah, and she probably was four and a half too. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's just amazing to see how some kids are able to find themselves and know yeah. what to do and just not panic. Or they could be panicking, but they're just like, okay, I need to get myself out of this situation. It's like natural instincts yes. for them. Yeah, that's mm. awesome. That's why, mm. to me, I feel like it can be natural too, like whether or not it's maybe a passed-down personality trait or something from your parents. Thanks, Mum, for the good genes. <laughs> I think it came from my dad. I was always a strong person. I never cried much. Yeah, neither did I. Yeah. Can you agree that I didn't cry much? No, I think you you were the same. You never cried much. Yeah. Yeah, I think you were a lot different to your sister. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard it? She said it, not me. (laughs) She's more of a drama queen. Yeah. I think to me, I feel there is some extent where it is like a personality thing that could be passed down. But yes, I agree that it's still something that you can build on as life teaches you these lessons to be more resilient. Yeah, 100%. But it's strange, right? Like when you try and think about it, you, you think, oh, resilience is more of a skill thing. But then parents, in terms of their personality and character, for them to pass that down to their kids. That's pretty cool. But they do say like when the mother is carrying the child, right, however their mindset was, like if they were strong or whatever it is, that is how like when the kid's born, they kind of take on a bit of that mental strength or the mindset or whatever yeah. you're carrying. That's like so, during that period of holding. having Yeah, like yeah, carrying yeah. the baby. That's I, that's what I heard. I don't know if it's true or not. but Well, it seemed like it worked for you. Interesting. <laughs> But another story, this is something that I know. So you started studying a lot later than, you know, the general social people who would study at like 18, whatever. And you started your career a bit later than other people. Were you ever worried or watching your peers growing up the career ladder? Were you worried and like comparing yourself to them? Or were you always like focused in your own lane and like, I know that I can get to where I want to get to? I think at that stage, I was just focused with myself because I was very determined at the time after the breakdown of the marriage. And I said to myself, okay, I need to do something about this because I actually did go to uni at the very start in the mid 80s. It was just because of 
because of mum passing away and then having to look after my younger sister, I had started uni, but it was becoming quite difficult because I was commuting from Brisbane, coming to the Gold Coast, um, working part-time at the casino back then. It was difficult. So I deferred and then didn't go back. Mm. So I was determined this time that I wanted to make something out of myself. I'm going back. So I said, what am I to study? I'd always been interested in health, but I knew I wasn't wanting to go into a degree where it was patient focused. So I went to an adult's job market and I saw something called health information management and I thought yeah I'm doing this because it was so diverse it wasn't just like your everyday accountancy law it had a bit of everything it had a bit of medical IT um, business management and so I thought yep this is what I'm going to do and that was my goal Mm. nice and at the time you were still in Brisbane Mm. and um, I think you've been brought up to be a strong person as well because we had those challenges when we were in uh, Runcon at the time. I don't remember. <laughs> you don't remember that. Apparently uh, I had to walk down you, like many uh, miles and I never cried and it was hot and sweaty and I just stayed quiet and just held her hand and walked home. <laughs> That's all I remember you telling the me. The neighbours always said, this child is so good. How can you get up so early, get this child up, <laughs> walk because we didn't have a car at the time, so we walked mm, at least, would have been 20, 20 minutes at least to the Jeez. nearest bus stop. That's a far walk. Yes. 20 minutes. For a little kid. Yeah, and another story during that time is every time it rained, it flooded at this particular sort of like a park near the units we were living. So we always had to <laughs> go through at least probably good six, seven inches of rain, we would walk through that because that was the only way to get through. Wow. So me and Amelia had to go through this rain. I do not remember. Yeah. <laughs> but no, and I think that sort of built up Amelia as well, being a stronger person, what she had to go through at the time. Yeah, as a kid. Yeah. So I think, you know, we – we learned from those experiences and particularly for me, I learned so many experiences which made me a stronger person and a more confident person. Mm. I must say I was not a confident person when I was young. I think through experiences I've become a stronger and confident person, not just through personal life but through work as well. And I think that has led me to where I am today. Mm. So tell us a little bit about where you are today in your job because you did say like being in management and leadership as an Asian woman in Australia as well. At the start, I must say it was hard being Asian and being an Asian woman in my industry at the time. There wasn't a lot of Asians in my field. Asians in general? Asians in general. It's, wow. it's a profession which not a lot of people are familiar with and a lot of people, you know, ask me, what is health information management? But it was difficult because um, I had to climb up that ladder and start from the bottom. And did you feel like you had to prove your worth too? 
Yes, I, I definitely had to prove my worth. But at the same time, I think I was fortunate enough because I built my confidence. I also built on the fact of learning to communicate with the right people. Yeah. As I said, I wasn't a confident person, but I built on that and I got to know a lot more people go out there and talk a lot more with people and get myself out there so that people knew who I was. Yeah, so to build your confidence though, did you think that that was built through these resilient and through the challenges or did you specifically work on building your confidence through other means? I think it was a bit of both. And also my dad always said, always build on your education regardless on your age. So I think that was also a part to play so um, having to build on that whilst I was still having a family and making those difficult choices where Amelia actually had to go back to Canberra whilst I was studying. I suppose I went back after um, I did my bachelor and continued to do my master's and I have done, you know, little bits of other short courses in certificates as well. So mm. I've always continue to expand my skills. No, that's really good. Yeah, I, I believe in that though. Like I, I think no matter what age it is, no matter what it is, you always have to continue to learn to keep building whatever it is, if it's in the same industry, same field, or if it's completely something new. Yeah, of course, 100%. But um, mum, just dialing it back, you said you studied during the time when you're looking after your younger sister. What were you studying at that time? Oh, at that time, I actually was offered to go do a Bachelor of Nursing. Um, but back uh, then, it was a lot different because right. um, nursing back then was in-house, in the hospital. So uh, it wasn't actually a degree in a university or tertiary institution. Right. It was um, training done in the hospital. Uh, so so like you practical. Were, yeah, so you were accepted into the hospital to do that That's pretty training. Good. So it, it has changed a lot since. Was that relatively hard to get in at the time? It wasn't relatively hard. Well, I suppose um, for me, it's just a bit like now where it was in demand. Right, okay. So it wasn't as long as you had a reasonably good score from your high school senior, then you would possibly be able to get in. Jeez, it sounds like it hasn't really changed in terms of the demand because yeah. still, that's still the issue nowadays yeah. is there's not enough medical staff. Mm. Yeah, well, for most of the listeners that's listened to our podcast for a while would know that my parents are actually divorced. So I wanted to ask you in terms of after divorcing and then having to put yourself out there again, how did you find resilience in terms of finding love again? It was difficult because going through the pain with, you know, your divorce and with me and a background of my own family having had divorced, in my mind, I always wanted to have that perfect family. Having to go through that again, it definitely made me a stronger person because I had to move on in life and find that courage and niche where it made me think I could do this. And I think one of the reasons why it also um, encouraged me to move forward was you as the kids was my major thing in my life that made me to go forward and say, okay, could I or should I find love again? Mm. I think also it was wanting to get companionship. That was my main thing. And my other main 
thing in finding love again was ensuring my kids would be able to accept the new love in my life. That was a crucial factor in finding love again. Yeah. Mm. I've heard many, many stories in terms of couples who have married, divorce, and then they're having to reset again. They find it very hard because... To go back out in the world. Yeah, to go back out and expose themselves or just have the confidence to really go out there and be like, hey, I need to find a companion or a new love or something like that. And they find it difficult because they, they feel like because of their age at the time, they feel like they couldn't really get that exposure. And it's also because they, they've pretty much been with someone for 10 years or something like yeah. that. So technically they haven't dated or seen the dating world in that long. So it's like you're going back out there, you're like, um, what do I do? Where do yeah, I start? Yeah. So that's what we wanted to understand. How did you feel at that time outside of, so you worked yourself out, now you're ready to go back out again. Did you just have to psych yourself up and be like, I can do this, I'm confident enough, like I can find someone? Is that what you were thinking? Yeah, I think it was psyching myself up. And I think being a strong person as I was, was what drove me to go, okay, I need to find someone. It wasn't exactly having to have love, but it was companionship. And I was driven to think that I felt lonely at times. Mm. And so I had that resilience in me to think I have to go forward, tackle this, hopefully find someone. But um, at the time, I had a lot, of, a lot of things going on at the same time because I was still studying. So really, I wasn't thinking at the time of wanting to find someone, but I knew I wanted companionship. But that was not, not actually- a priority. No, yeah. that was not my priority. I think it just- It just happened, yeah. It just happened. Well, they say that when you- I wasn't looking it's for It's when that. you don't look, yeah. that's when you manage to it's find It's when someone. things happen, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. So after a big chat of talking about resilience, we did some research and there's actually this thing called five pillars of resilience. Five fingers of death, mate. (laughs) Five Cheeto fingers of death. (laughs) I'm just going to read it. So there's self-awareness, mindfulness, self-care, positive relationships, and purpose. So... They say that people who are able to use these five are people who are really resilient and that have, yeah, that just strong capability of bouncing back. So I wanted to discuss with all of us, like a roundtable discussion to see, do you think you use all of these or is there one that you lean towards more? There's a number of those five pillars that I would lean against, not just one. Certainly, you know, self, was it self-help? Was it self-care and self-awareness? Yeah. I Self think that help. Is- Kelpie dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. So positive self-talk. Yeah, definitely positive self-talk because that then sets your mind at a better state. That then makes you move forward and focus on a pathway. So the purpose. Purpose, yeah. You have a purpose. You, you set that goal, which means in life you have a lot of circumstances where you need to use a couple of those five pillars. So I don't think it's just one. Yeah. You use yeah. all five. It could be all five, definitely. No, I agree. I think definitely use all five because that, that's what the definition is. For someone or a person who are able to use all five, then they, ha- they have a good sense of resilience within themselves. I would say how I would use it is similar to how I described the description of resilience is just being able to see the light. So to me, the first pillar that I would definitely use is 
self-care in terms of positive self-talk if i'm in a challenging situation i'm never gonna be like oh my god this is so hard this is blah blah blah, blah. it's okay what do we need to do this is fine we can get out of this and that's always the first thing that comes to my head then that leads into self-awareness or mindfulness and just being able to know that yeah this is a tough situation but now what do i need to do and how do i make myself better or build on these weaknesses that I have to get out of this or to be stronger or whatever it is and being self-aware and being mindful and then having that purpose which is just moving out of this situation that I'm in damn well I call this the five fingers of death because for you guys that uh listen to freestyle rapping that's where I got it from I don't know how I was watching it last night I don't know how this related to it's random, but the five pillars, I believe I utilize all five. And I think in all aspects in life, you do in some way and form, whether it's at that moment or after that moment, because yeah, like for me, I always rely on, on, was it, what's that relationship one? Positive, Positive relationships. relationships. I like to listen to others. I like to ask the question. I like to hear other people's opinions because I feel like hearing a third perspective is always a good perspective whether they agree with you or if they don't. If they see a different angle, that's going to give you a perspective, right? But then I feel like the self-care, self-awareness and mindfulness all come in one component because you need to reflect, you need to recalibrate and you need to also understand what situation you're in and where you need to get to. Then that leads to your purpose, which is what's your true intent. What are you trying to get out of and what are you trying to get to? If you have those clearly aligned, they all come together naturally. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, so I can see how the five pillars work. Five pillars of a uh, five fingers of death. <laughs> <laughs> so coming to a wrap up, we had a really good chat on how to build good resilience and just talking through how we work through challenges. But mom, give our listeners your top three personal advice on how to build on resilience. It probably is more than three, but top three, certainly self-awareness in the fact communication. If you have those circumstances where you are unable to work it out yourself, try to communicate with someone, discuss it. And whether that is having to organise seeing a psychiatrist, it's, it's not an embarrassment these days. It's actually quite common that people need to talk about it because not everyone may have close family or friends which they feel comfortable to talk things through. So that's one. Secondly is be kind to yourself. Don't feel so negative when things occur and make sure that, you know, your mindset is there's a reason to why things sometimes occur and see that light at the end of the tunnel. It could be a blessing in disguise, you know. Yeah, it certainly can, <laughs> yes. As I say, majority of the time there is a reason why, you know, these things occur. Yeah, things happen for a reason. And thirdly, be positive and be able to bounce back and learn from your experiences. I think learning from the experiences in your lifetime actually drives you to being able to adapt to circumstances, difficult circumstances. Yeah, I think those are, those are really good tips. I'd probably give something quite similar. Was there something that you would give? Uh, yeah, similar. I think, you know, you've got to self-reflect but also understand and comprehend those mistakes and moving forward from that. And, and what mum said, the biggest thing is, is the talking to someone, especially with a psychiatrist, 
I think that's the biggest emphasis here is a lot of people don't. And that's what we realize too. Mm. In everyone that we've spoken to, everyone has also always said that talking to a psychiatrist is one of the most helpful things. And there's that social stigma where it's a, a scary thing or it's a bad thing. Or you're a psycho. <laughs> yeah, or you're crazy, but really you're not because yeah. we're human. We need to talk to people yeah. and seek that professional help. One thing I think I would like to add to this tip is think of a bigger picture. Like things may be going wrong or things are going wrong wrong towards you, but think of it, did you do something wrong? Like maybe there's something that you could have built on. For example, I, I like to bring this example in in terms of my career, like starting in design and my very first agency that I worked at and the boss was like, no, your work is not good. I can't show this to a client. And it's like, rather than being like, why is my boss attacking me? Why is blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, having a look at your work and be like, can I actually do better? And see the things that like you're doing at that current point in time and accepting that, yeah, your work is not up to scratch. And what do you need to do? And where do I need to go to study or do more work or add more hours here to do better? Yeah. So rather than being like, oh, that person's like just being a shitty person towards me or like why am I always the victim? It's just thinking why are you always in this situation then? Is there something that you're doing that and puts yourself in this situation? So rather than putting your blame towards other people, try and think if there's something that you can do yeah, yourself you, yeah. to build yourself to do better next yeah. time. And I think it's okay to if, if you fuck up or if you're wrong, it's totally fine you just need to learn from that fuck up and mistake. Yeah. That's the only way that you're going to learn and move forward. It's like relationships. Some people always end up with players and they're like, why am I always in this situation? And you think about, is there a certain trait that you lean towards that might be giving you these type of partners? Just like them bad boys, man. Yeah, you know? Just like them bad boys. So. <laughs> that's just an example. But that's what one tip I would want to add is, is there something that you can work on yourself? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Not only the fact that we accept the fact there's failures, we learn from them. And that actually building on the topic of resilience actually helps us in our jobs as well to face those criticism that may come towards you in your job. Yeah. So that was a really beautiful chat with my mum. I have never talked to her like that and also never talked to her in English like this. So it's definitely interesting, but I have learned a lot personally. And hopefully the ones out there who are looking to build on their resilience, hope you have learned something out of this too. Yeah. Thank you again, for guys, for tuning in and we will join you in the next one. But once again, thank you, mum, for joining no us. No worries. It's thank you for pleasure. inviting me. Thank you. And we're going to have lunch. Bye. Peace. Thank you so much for joining us and tuning in to this episode. If you're loving this podcast, please hit the follow or subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to. Ding, ding. It would mean the world to us if you could give us a star rating and feedback so we can continue to improve on bringing better content to you. Yeah, yeah. If you found this episode helpful in any way or you know someone who'd need this, please share it with them as we're all about helping each other out. Don't forget we love listening to your ideas too. So make sure you share any topics that you'd like us to cover or questions you might have to our Instagram with the handle Ask the Joy Podcast. Slide it into our DMs, baby. Bigger, bigger. You can stay in the loop of all the behind the scenes or the release of our new episodes there too. All right, that's it for now. And we'll see you back here for our next episode. 
Bye. Bye.